up. Let's go to Justin Marshall, our regular analyst from Sky Sport every Friday after eight. How are you, Marshall? You good? Yeah, I'm good, gentlemen. Very well, thank you. So on a scale of one to wow, how would you grade the re-signing of the Iwani brothers? Oh, you know, it's up, got to be up around, absolutely. I think um, you heard you mentioning about Rico. You know, when you think about him last week, it was really unassuming um, the way that he slotted back into the team. He'd been out since that test match in Australia. He just sort of gets named back in the team and sort of nonchalantly comes onto the field and, and, and scores a brace of tries, you know, like... I guess when you have a fallout of what we did because of the test match, the All Blacks losing uh, and everything's debated, uh, you kind of, I guess, miss little individual um, sort of key things that happen in a game. And that, and that was one, you know, the fact that he came in, scored two tries and, and got straight back into rhythm. So I think that's a really, uh, really good uh, coup for the New Zealand Rugby Union. Obviously, Akira as well, um, you know, he, he's the future in the back row. So... His development continues. The All Blacks have had him in the mix in recent times. They're working really hard on him. I know that they're working really hard on him because I witnessed it firsthand. That whole time they had him in the French series, he was running. He, he was doing it with Kieran Reid. Running, running, running. So they really want to improve, I think, his fitness, which then gives him more involvement, ups his work rate. So he, he's some, somebody that they're looking to for the future as well. So good signings, I think. Well, I mean, he's he stay, they both stay in Auckland. Uh, they stay at the Blues, and the Blues haven't been the uh, the, the most essential. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, successful uh, franchise recently. They've rechanged their coaching box. But what do you make of this? Uh, Richard Delabarca, who's been on the New Zealand Rugby Union, but also John Hart, uh, one of those appointed as like a temporary guy at the Blues to help out with the board. When you hear John Hart's involved in the Blues, how does that make you feel? And what does it make? What does it tell you about the Blues' intentions? I think it means that the Blues' um, intentions are that they, they need to have a bit of a rattle up and, and shake things around a bit. There's, there's no doubt that um, you know Hardy was an excellent uh, coach. You know, coached Auckland, coached the All Blacks, he coached me. Um, but since since um, moving away from coaching, his his real strength and 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 to a degree his strength as a coach as well was people management, um, but also corporate management and. You know, he's been involved in many boards, the Warriors. Um, you know, he's on Bailey's board. I'm not sure if he's still there. He's been on the Sky board. Um, he heads up the, the you know, the, PG, the PGA for golf, PGF, I should say, for golf. So I think it's a real indication that they want to make sure that maybe if they can get things working on the field, that off the field, things start to progress forward and they start to not maybe lose players and they go in the right direction. So I think it's a great decision. Is it a great decision by Eddie Jones to bring in John Mitchell? Yeah, I was surprised, I must admit. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, Mitch has worked with England before, and, and so he was involved, um, obviously, many years ago, and he knows, I guess, the system over there. He's coached in England before, so he knows the adventure, he knows the skill set of players. Uh, and obviously, he's spent now quite a bit of time in the Southern Hemisphere, particularly in South Africa. Uh, knowing the way that the Southern Hemisphere are developing their game, so it could be a good of a good bit of a good ploy to get some valuable information and some theories and movements and moving forward from Eddie Jones because he's been out of the Southern Hemisphere game for a while, and it looked like that didn't matter. You know what? Two years ago, when England were going great guns, but now that they've had this big blip in the radar, struggled in South Africa, um, you know, haven't had the results that they wanted in the Six Nations. Uh, maybe he needed a little bit of that knowledge uh, and he felt that he could work well with John Mitchell to do that. So, 
yeah, I, I must admit that I was surprised, but I, I, I can't say that I um, don't admire Eddie Jones in the way that he puts the effort into trying to create a, a winning team. John Mitchell never leaves a place in, in good order, Justin. That seems to be the MO. He, he's tough and tenacious and everything else and has a good rugby brain. But wherever he leaves, there, there are problems that, that he's left. Is there a real danger here that if it doesn't go well for England next season and certainly at a Rugby World Cup, that Jones and Mitchell would both exit stage left at the same time and England rugby's in a poor state? Yeah, that's a good point, actually, to, to be perfectly honest. It, uh I guess there, there, there really leaves no um, big sort of set succession plan, does there? So I guess that's a, a, a gamble they're willing to take. Obviously, Eddie's got rid of a few other personnel that have been working with him recently. You know, um, Paul Gusto was the defence coach. So he's obviously um, having a bit of a shake-up and he's trying to make a, a, a real push towards the Rugby World Cup. But, but you're absolutely right in saying that, that if, it, if it does go bad, um, then it's going to... To, to leave them in a very precarious position. So he must be confident. He would have done his due diligence. There's no doubt about it. And he must be confident that Mitch is the right man to go in there. To, to be fair, I agree with you that Mitch has got a little bit of a, a rocky pass, but I, I think he did a pretty bloody good job with the um, the Blue Bulls um, in the last Super Rugby campaign because they were in a bit of a, a hole and he seems to have, you know, they, they didn't, Yes, they didn't make the finals and that, but they had a much better season under him. And he asked a few players. And, and you know what? Actually, I was really surprised with the Blue Bulls. Actually started playing some rugby this year, mm. uh, whereas they've been very stereotypical, uh, kick territory, um, high ball orientated team. They actually looked a better balanced side. So, you know, maybe he's learned a lot as a coach and he can add a lot to England. Uh, Marshy, we this week, so so quite often you can measure people's responses to things by when we're talking on air and then the amount of texts that come on off the back of it. Do you know one of the biggest response ones we got this week was pointing what? out that Auckland's actually really good at rugby now. And <laughs> and that, and man, that, you know what I think it is, it is, uh, now I kind of get that saying they used to say, you know, New Zealand rugby's strong when Auckland rugby's strong. Because it gives everyone that city that they're allowed to hate. Can you yeah, can you pinpoint where all those Texas are coming from? Yeah, or, or? Um, pretty heavily from the south. <laughs> yeah. Morning, oh, really? Josh, the Texas. In any yeah. phone call we received yeah. had an O three in front of it. Yeah, curiously yeah. enough, yeah. Uh, Waikato not, not as well. Yeah, lot, lot from there, <laughs> lot from Hamilton. Yeah. Um, hey, look, look, you you have to say that at the moment, um, you know, they're they're really ticking along nicely. The way that the Lama and you know, have, have got involved and. They brought people like Graham Henry um, into the mix. Uh, you know, I was very, I, I had, to be perfectly honest, I hadn't seen a lot of them. I did, the, did their game on, on Sunday in Christchurch, and I hadn't seen a great deal of them in particular playing. I'd just seen their, their progression and a few highlights. But having watched them for 80 minutes, um, seen them defensively, yeah, they let themselves down in the last three minutes of that match. Um, but I know that uh, Graham Henry's taking control of the fence. They do look very well-balanced, and they look like they've got some direction. So, you know, Mighty 10 Cup's not super rugby, but I guess, yeah, there, there is a bit to be dancing on the rooftops about talking at the moment because the top of the table and they deserve to be there. Let's wrap it up this week, Justin. We haven't heard your thoughts on the test oh, yeah, match yeah. And, and what happened at the back end. And, and there are so many talking points, as you referenced, from that game, whether it be yeah. goal-kicking and intercept passes and tries scored and defence mm. and tries conceded. But we go to the last play of the game and the drop goal was on. It wasn't taken. Whose decision is it in those situations to pull the trigger? 
is it the captain or is it somebody else? And is it curious to you that no one's actually owned that decision to this point? No, look, the mantra is that the players believe, you know, and, and I know that when I was playing, um, you know, we, we would, when we had last minute opportunities like that, and we did, and I was involved in games where, where it was desperate like that, um, you know, you set your play up and, and you launch, that's what you practice for. You know, they had, a, they had a great opportunity from scrum, you set that up and you work away. Now, when that fails, it's completely up to the decision makers, nine and ten, and, and, and in particular ten, and, and I knew when you know, Dan Carter or Andrew Mertens or whatever, felt that things that we had implemented from the scrum, the set play and everything else weren't going to work. They slot back and they, they grabbed the game with a scruff of the neck and, and that's what you do. So, you know, that, that's where the decision-making is. You know, it's not, right, let's go seven or eight phases and if that doesn't work, we'll set up for a drop goal. You've got to be instinctive on it. And it's like, recognise that it's not working. Recognise that maybe it's a bit slow, that they're defensively well set drop back there and you grab the game by the scruff of the neck as a decision maker and the, and you work in synergy with your nine. So yeah, that's whose responsibility it is. And I think um, the All Blacks probably know that now. So <laughs> you wouldn't have a captain in, in all your time. There was not an All Blacks captain that... Oh, hang on, wait a minute. Yes! Tiger the Eagle. Sorry, sorry, we're back. We're back soon now. Go for it. Don't worry about it, Justin. It's all right. We've got a big punt on. We've got uh, one of our, our Rambler winners here. He stands to win uh, 7,500 if Tiger can finish in the top four. Oh. He's tied the lead at five. He's in a good position after one round. Yeah. What an eagle. I love this Tiger guy. Oh. Golf's the best. There you go. <laughs> there, there were people there that might have been interested in what Marshall had to say. Oh, Can I just point that out? A hundred percent, plenty. Sorry, Marshy. Marshy was well aware that that might happen too. He'd, he'd, kind, of, he'd, he'd kind of run over time. That was a great putt by Tiger.